Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple podcast. This is a two-part series on rebuilding intimacy after porn. The first is about rebuilding emotional intimacy, and the second is about rebuilding sexual intimacy. And these were actually recorded for the Husband Material Men podcast with Drew Boa. So he is interviewing us in these episodes, and we will link his resources in the show notes so you can find out all about what he has to offer. But we figured, hey, if he's going to put it on his podcast, we might as well put it on our podcast as well. So you get to enjoy it on either platform. So you're in for a treat. Here we go. I'm still here with Adam and Carissa King from Dear Young Married Couple. So excited to be here again. Let's do it. And we just had an awesome episode that we recorded on emotional intimacy, rebuilding that after porn. So we're jumping Mm -hmm. into the next stage here. Yes. Rebuilding sexual intimacy after porn. And you say that is the next stage. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So when a couple initially um, finds out, you know, there's this breach in trust and rebuilding emotional intimacy is essential because if you jump right to, oh, well, let's, let's just keep having sex and let's keep things the way they were, or let's just stop having sex altogether. Um, and you focus on the sexual intimacy piece without focusing on the emotional intimacy and rebuilding that trust first. Um, it's not going to go well. Um, there will be a lot of gaps. There will be a lot of, um, mistrust and that will come out in the bedroom. And so we, we recommend going through those initial stages first of rebuilding emotional intimacy, trust, forgiveness. It's all a process. And then, um, and then you can work on really real rebuilding that um, sexual intimacy. Hmm. So rebuilding sexual intimacy is something you might not be able to do for a little while. Correct. I remember hearing experts say, you should have a period of abstinence where mm-hmm. you're able to reset your sex life. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that what you guys recommend too? Yes. We do. I think it's really helpful too for what you said, but also as a kind of a monument to look back to. Because mm. if everything just kind of stays the same and we had this crazy argument and come to Jesus moment at night, you know, and then everything kind of tries to stay the same, it's going to feel really weird. Mm-hmm. We kind of do need a marker to look back on and saying, okay, this is what happened. I acknowledge the gravity of it. Like if you le- listen to the first episode, we have these discussions, we start, you know, we're very intentional about that. Then we can, can start considering where are you right now? Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, one of the steps on rebuilding or for the spouse who's been broken, all this. Remember how we talked about setting expectations Mm -hmm. and where are your boundaries? Sometimes there needs to be a boundary set there. Like I'm not ready to have sex with you right now Mm -hmm. because I don't feel emotionally connected. I don't feel physically like I feel like you're a different person. I don't know you. Mm -hmm. I need to figure you out first before I open myself up physically to you. And that's true of the betrayed spouse. But what's also important for the spouse who was using pornography is to have that reset period for their brain, um, that period of abstinence for their brain to disconnect their urge with the, the, um, you know, well, I'm going to go ahead and satisfy that, whether that's through pornography or in their marriage, because they were objectifying all these women 
And now they're just going to re-channel that energy and just objectify their wife to satisfy that urge. It's, it, it doesn't, it's not helpful. Right. And so that period of, we usually say we start with 30 days and then we reevaluate and it can be up to 90 days. Um, but somewhere in that time frame, 30 to 90 days of abstinence where your brain is resetting, you're forming new neural connections mm-hmm. where when you once had that urge, now you satisfy that urge with actually turning to the Lord, turning to self-development, turning that creative space into something fruitful. And it's not actually satisfied sexually. Mm-hmm. And then you can start building new neural connections in mm-hmm. your marriage where you go, okay, now let's, what is a healthy sex drive? What is a healthy way to satisfy that yeah. sex drive? Right. I love that. Guys, our spouses are not a replacement for porn. That's right. That's right. But it's so easy to accidentally use them that way. Mm-hmm. That's objectifying. That is actually lustful. I don't know where we got this idea that you can't objectify your spouse. Like if you have sex with your spouse, it's somehow pure because it's in marriage. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's a an interesting piece uh, which we actually learned from Sheila Gregoire. But she did a study on twenty two thousand Christian women, and and one of the pieces that came out was that in all the teachings in evangelicalism around sex and sexuality the idea of consent is missing because we mm. always preach, you know, don't have sex till, till you're married. So we don't need to talk about consent because you're just not having sex. But once you're married, the idea of consent is missing in all these teachings. And so that's where objectification comes in again. And that's where it mimics porn. That is so good. And guys, let's remember that if you're in a marriage where sex is not an option right now, like me, when I was, Well, (laughs) I'll just say this. I'll say this. I am coming from a season where my wife was pregnant three times in four years. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I can look at that either as, oh, a disappointment or, you know what? This is a chance for me to really grow, to honor her and Mm -hmm. to reinforce consent and honor in our marriage. I'm not going to ask her to do something that she's not willing to do. Maybe I will ask. And if I ask, I will respect her no. Yeah. And understand that it's not ultimately a rejection. Right. It's a not yet. That's right. It's a not now. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you're in a situation where, oh, this abstinence feels like such a burden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think of it like what Carissa just said. Consent has been missing and we're putting it back. There you go. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would definitely say listen to your wife too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, a lot of times, like when this process goes wrong, is the wife has asked for a lot of things and he still hasn't done them. And he's like, well, it's been three months. And let's say they started having sex, but things aren't right or things don't feel good or whatever. Like we need to get back to like, this needs to be a monument, monumental time in your in your marriage mm-hmm. where you grow a lot very fast. Mm-hmm. So doing some of the deep work that you've talked about on our our podcast when you talked about the floss method mm-hmm. and maybe re- reading that book by Jay Stinger, Stringer, Stringer mm-hmm. on uh, unwanted. That's such a good like doing this like deep dive into your own sexuality and what's happened and your mm-hmm. triggers. That will all lend itself to your wife you know, 
becoming are ready to becoming more vulnerable to you because remember that sexual intimacy means that we become vulnerable mm-hmm. right but we get never, naked yeah it's exactly right. it naked and unashamed is what where god wants to take us yeah. but the thing is that there's a lot of shame generally mm-hmm. in this first stage and we're not ready to become known or because trust and commitment the two things that marriage is built on is now absent mm-hmm. right we don't have either so why would i become very vulnerable to someone who was just lying to me and i don't know is there to me for me mm-hmm. yeah. that that doesn't work yeah or if it does it's it's there are probably uh technicalities that we need to work out there's there's some probably stuff there that we we need to work on so two things that we like to recommend in this stage of of um, abstinence um and it actually works toward rebuilding emotional intimacy but it helps rebuild sexual intimacy ultimately and that is um talking about our sex life without having sex um and so that that can be really difficult um but it it really helps us be fully known and like tim keller says that's that's what we crave right we want to be fully known and fully loved and when you're fully known and then that's received well and you're fully loved that's what creates intimacy and so um talk about sex without having sex and so if you know especially for the the you know, in this case, the wife, since we're talking to husband material men. Um, but, you know, if you know that you're not going to have to have sex after this because you're not in that place yet, then you can be a little more vulnerable emotionally and verbally talking about sex because you know that it's not going to lead to sex yet. Right. And, and let's say, let's say that they, uh, you know, had the initial, you know, come to Jesus moment or like, you know, everything came to light Mm -hmm. and then they start going through the steps that we've kind of outlined in the previous podcast. Um, They put sex on hold. Um, At at that point we could start having discussions. Okay. Where, where are you in this process? Mm -hmm. I'm really desiring you. I want to, you know, what, what, this is where we found out back, find boundaries. Okay. So you could ask things like, you know, I really want to hug you because at first they might not, don't even touch me, mm-hmm. get your claws off me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. So it's honoring that distance Love that, you know, so part mm-hmm. of rebuilding sexual intimacy is taking it one step at a time, little baby steps. Yes. Like maybe yeah. we can have a hand on the shoulder yeah, sure. or, or have a little bit of physical intimacy, but mainly what we want to focus on is being known and talking mm-hmm. about sex without having yeah. an orgasm as a requirement. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and I, mean, I have to kind of throw this as a caveat too. Like, I do believe that women, even talking about sex, I think is vulnerable. Yeah. So yeah. what we have to do is get to the place where they're willing to talk about it and that sometimes is very difficult, even in a good relationship, that's hard to do. Yeah. So because the culture upbringing around it. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's say, you know, we get, we get to the point where, yeah, let's cuddle. I'm, I'm okay taking a shower together. I just want you to hold me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel comfortable kissing you. Um, we have, so we have these discussions and, and we gradually in your check-in, Hey baby, what do you need from me? 
Mm-hmm. I want to love you on you. I want to, I want to hold you close. Saying your desires is actually fine. It's good. Maybe not all the time. I want to go have sex with you. That, that might be a complete turnoff, but saying like, I want this closeness with you. Mm-hmm. Would you allow me? Yeah. If you don't, okay, baby, I understand. Yeah. I yeah. just, I want to be there for you. I want to hold you. So it's really, it's building on that consent. Mm-hmm. So, and so that actually is the second piece. So the two things that we recommend talking about sex without having sex, and then the baby steps toward physical intimacy without orgasm. And that's actually a process called sensate. And yeah. so sensate can be so powerful and it's very customizable to each couple. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really helpful to have a counselor walk you through the steps. Yeah. We built, we built a whole like guide for this. Yes. And so, um, so for instance, stage one in sensate is where you are touching with your clothes on and you don't touch any erotic places. And so and this is building trust and learning mm-hmm. to live with boundaries and trusting the person's not going to cross a boundary. Mm-hmm. And you're focusing on that physical connection. And so it's like, you know, what does feel good? Maybe you've never even explored that because you just jumped right into sex because you were virgins and then you just had sex the first night or maybe you couldn't and then you did. And it was all about this like celebration of like, hey, we got in, we had sex. And you never actually explored like what feels good. Yeah. Um, and, and giving each other instruction, teaching each other to pleasure each other. Right. And so, and it's less about saying, don't touch that. It's more like redirecting, redirecting, saying, go here. Yeah. And so it's, uh, you have a giver and a receiver and you, you switch spaces as, um, is it's comfortable, but, um, you start off with one person's the giver, one person's the receiver and the receiver is teaching the giver how to touch them safely, how to touch mm. them pleasurably. Wow. And it's, it's powerful. You stay in stage one until you're ready to move to stage two, where it's close off, no erotic zones. And then, and then you move to stage three, eventually where it's close off with erotic zones, you know, and then there's five stages by the fifth stage, you're actually having intercourse, but you're focused on all five senses. What are you, what are you smelling? What are you tasting? What are you feeling? What's, what's that? Um, is that a safe feeling? Is that a, is that a sensual feeling? So this is actually directly combating um, erectile dysfunction mm-hmm. in men because a lot of hey, men let's go yes a lot of times it's the brain that holds someone back it's mm-hmm. not any physical like i'm yes go get checked by the doctor but a lot of times um it is your brain yeah psychosomatic right and, so, and for women too vaginismus sure. it can be psychosomatic so if i'm feeling shame going in or what if it's not going to work or all this all the things that come into a guy's brain when they're afraid of, you know, performance anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to hold them back from that intimacy. Well, what this does is it says there is no expectation. You don't, (laughs) you don't need to hurry up and get hard. We could could just, we could just enjoy the now we could enjoy being, Mm -hmm. I can enjoy the sensation of my wife's back. And what it feels like to put my hands on her back and, mm-hmm. and massage her and feel her and love on her mm-hmm. and, and do it for me and not just for her. Yeah. Wow. And that's, and that's really, why you call it sensate, right? Yes. 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 Focusing on the five senses. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's and, an incredible yeah. experience. And it, it really uh, takes 
the brain's work um, to rewire the way that you register a sexual experience. So it's no longer, uh, I feel a drive, I'm turned on, get an image, get a video, you know, masturbate, orgasm. That's not the cycle anymore. It's like, hey, I feel a drive toward my spouse and I want to connect with them. Mm -hmm. And what is pleasurable for them? What's pleasurable for me? How can we have fun and enjoy this experience together? Let's communicate about it. Let's connect. It's it's all about connection now. It's about real intimacy. And that's how God designed it. It's such a gift. And and it's so it's so pleasurable. And we we miss out on pleasure in marriage when pleasure has only been associated with intercourse. In well, or with with porn and masturbation. Right, right, right. Right. This is incredible. This is incredible to me. And I think for some people it will sound so foreign. Like, mm. what do you mean touching with the clothes on with no erotic zones? What's that gonna do? <laughs> even two fingers. Yes. Even yes. the ear, even <laughs> the elbow can have a very sensory sexual quality to it. Yeah. I used to think the largest sexual organ was the brain. Well, first of all, I used to think it was the penis. Sure. <laughs> then somebody said, <laughs> then somebody said uh, it's the largest is between your ears. And while the okay. brain might be the most important, actually the largest organ in our entire body is the skin. Yeah. Ah, it's good. the skin. That's good. And you're getting in touch with all the different parts of the skin that right. maybe were never included in sexual intimacy before. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you know what's interesting too, just to kind of cap on that, you know it's so important. Think about the first time you you held your wife's hand before mm-hmm. she was your wife. So like, true. <laughs> so yeah, true. it's a yes. huge like electricity going through your body and everything else. But we lose that in yeah. the busyness of the life of life or. Mm-hmm just yeah. stuff that happens or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this just hits the pause button. It's not all about slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it slows us down to say, you know, this is an experience that we're going to enjoy together. Yeah. And then, so the one you said, you know, the clothes on, no erogenous sense, there's of course a process. And, and this is actually why too, we have to have established safe communication. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, we kind of covered that in the last mm-hmm. um, episode, you know, you establish that continually checking in. I think my parents call it the state of the union or they call it a summit, right? Where they get together and they talk about their own marriage. Yeah. We've continually do this too. Like, yes. Hey, where are you? What's going on? Yep. How can I love you better? Um, mm-hmm. We go through her, our own card decks. Yeah. Um, we do these things just to continually improve on our knowledge or as Gottman mm-hmm. says, our love maps of the other person. Mm-hmm. And when I know her better, I love her better. Yeah. And sometimes, so when everything is shaken up with, with, you know, an affair or infidelity, we don't feel any no- known anymore. Mm-hmm. And to stop sex, stop everything, work on ourself, and then to retrain our focus on, you know, here is the person that you've signed up to live with for the rest of your life. Yeah. Let's, let's learn them. Let's learn them better. That's bad. That's true though. Yeah. Learn them. (laughs) Let's, let's learn to love them 
let's learn to be yeah. a, a, the best lover we can. Yeah. Become a student that's, of the other that's person. Right. That's exactly it. That's right. And I love what you said about how the person being touched gets to be the teacher. Mm-hmm. They get to make the decisions. Mm-hmm. And then for the other person, we get to be the student. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's when you're so the exciting. student, you're the student of of them and what feels good to them, but you're also examining what feels good to me while I'm touching them, mm-hmm. right? Like you need to learn to take pleasure while you're giving and take pleasure while you're receiving. This is really important. And we don't learn that growing up about sex. It's just no, 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 right? Like yes. if you grew up in Christian circles, like you just learn no, no, no. Like sex is not about pleasure when you're growing up. And and we need to actually change that narrative. Well, that, Sex is about pleasure. Think of how beautiful it is, how pleasurable it is for you to give a gift to your child. Mm-hmm. Mm. Parents intuitively know how to do that, right? Yeah. I'm going to grab, I'm, I'm going to prepare this beautiful gift for my little girl mm-hmm. or my little boy. I imagine how wonderful it'd be. I could see it in my head, how happy and like the joy in their face. And then it's, it's say it's a birthday, right? And I take it and I open there, get all excited. And I, I'm enjoying that process. Yeah. Even though I'm the giver, mm-hmm. I'm also enjoying the process of the giving. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So in sex though, a lot of times what people do is they turn off that receptor. It becomes more of a obligatory, um, giving. Yeah. Like I give because I feel like I have to give. And so there's less about it's not that present sort of giving anymore. Mm-hmm. So if we can get back to the place where as I touch my wife, I can feel the pleasure of me giving that, that gift. Yes. Just as much as receiving a gift, but I can enjoy the giving of it as well. And this actually hit home for us personally, like uh, how many years ago when we, we were in a training with Esther Perel. Mm-hmm. Um, what six Ellis. years ago or so? It yeah. was incredible, and 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 to kind of go back to the largest organ being your skin, right? She's like, turn to the person next to you. Well, it was like a lot of clinicians, so most of the people didn't know each other. But thankfully, we had our spouse as as the person next to us. But she's um, like, this is gonna be awkward. But yeah, <laughs> and so me. she's like, turn to the person next to you, and she's like, put your arm out. You're gonna be the receiver. And the other person's going to be the giver. And I want you just for the next 30 seconds. And it was really silent and awkward for most people, right? She's like, I want you to touch that person in a way that feels good for them, right? Like, okay. Like, so a lot of people were doing like, okay, hand massages. Okay. Like I'm going to touch that person in a way that feels good for them. But then the, the awkward, weird part was like, now I want you to keep touching them for the next 30 seconds, but in a way that feels good to you. Most people couldn't do it. Well. Now that we've done this with dozens and dozens of clients, maybe hundreds, yeah, um, it's an, it's insane how, especially women, mm-hmm. I find this very true with women, yeah, yeah. Um, that women because they're the caretakers and they take on that responsibility, mm-hmm. they can give for the giving, but they can't give to receive. Yeah. So wow. I've seen women they they like touch your husband. And I, we do this in session. Touch your husband mm-hmm. in a way that would feel good to him, and she just, I'm actually thinking of a client right now, mm-hmm. did it. And, and then I, I changed the, the instruction change, uh, you know, touch your husband now in a way that feels good to you. 
Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it becomes super awkward and weird. And she's like kind I don't of know. laughing, giggling. She just basically like holds like, his hand uh, like, uh, <laughs> uh, and doesn't, and it just all shuts down. Yeah. That's a really good image of how probably the sex life is. Mm-hmm. I know what I need to work on. I know where my marriage is going next. There you go. Um, good. Good. This is so important and we just haven't heard it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that there can be electricity, even in the smallest touch, in both giving and in receiving. And maybe we should also note that for a lot of couples, giving and receiving are separate experiences when yes. it comes to sex. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's actually not as common for a couple to be able to both have giving and receiving in mm-hmm. a sexual experience, especially in an orgasm at the same time. Exactly. Actually, only 38% of women orgasm during intercourse and, and not even every time, whereas 98% of men orgasm during intercourse and almost every time. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very different experience. We have to redefine sex. And so that's, that's step one, really, when we're doing this like 30 to 90 days of abstinence and going through sensei and talking about sex without having sex, it's redefining sex. It's saying like, what about not just foreplay, but what about leading up to intercourse is also sex? Because she's probably going to orgasm not during intercourse. Yeah. Well, and this is, this is the kind of the flip side. Um, for kind of still going with the narrative that the guy is the one who broke trust. The woman is the one mm-hmm. who had trust broken where, you know, the myth is kind of like, you know, the guy needs to go away and work on himself and then come back and be a better husband. And then I'll choose when I forgive and when we rebuild. Mm-hmm. But this is where, this is the work that the woman can do too, because a lot of times when a woman finds out that, oh my goodness, he's been watching porn. Then she has these inferiorities. Mm-hmm. She has all these the self-doubt, all this stuff coming, like he's been looking at all these supermodels. And then I have, I had no idea. I don't look like a supermodel. Now I'm all self-conscious. Now I don't want to be vulnerable. And so now there's a lot of other issues that come on board mm-hmm. that weren't, maybe they were there, they were, they were lurking, but they weren't as glaring. Mm-hmm. Now they're glaring. Yeah. Right. And so this is the work that, that really comes Cause you know, the wife could easily say, well, I don't need to work on it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I'm fine. I don't need my own therapist when I'm working on this. Well, this is kind of the area too, that starts to really become generally right. Yeah. That really starts to become magnified. Yeah. And if the man is, especially since we're talking to husband material men, you know, if the man can become aware of, of these dynamics and advocate for his wife in this healing process and let let his wife know like i want you to be pleasured like Mm. you know that actually can help help win her knowing that you care genuinely about her experience both in and out of the bedroom that is a husband material man that Mm -hmm. is christ-like character yes and let's be clear here purity culture has had such an effect on all of Christianity, especially evangelicalism in America, mm-hmm. where we felt like, okay, sex is toxic, sex is bad, um, unless you're married. And, and so in my view, when we are rebuilding a marriage after porn mm-hmm. and trying to abstain from porn, 
the impulse is to shut my sexuality down completely Mm. to dampen my desires, feeling like I have to resist them. Like they are the problem Mm. in order to be healthy. Whereas what you're inviting us into is not dampening our desires, but deepening them. Right. That's good. And saying, I want more. Yes. I will not settle for porn and I will not settle for purity culture either. Right. Right. Yeah. We are in this for a better marriage than we've ever had. Yes. For better sex than we've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. And recognize that when you are feeling a sex drive, when you are turned on, that is showing actually that you're made in God's image. Like this is a beautiful thing, whether you're going to actually, uh, you know, make that progress toward intercourse and orgasm or not just acknowledging like, mm. thank you, God. Like I, I feel turned on right now. Thank you. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm made in your image and this is a beautiful yeah. thing. I think it's really helpful too, to put put sin and evil into its proper category mm-hmm. in this, that sin and evil is a corruption of that, which is good. Mm-hmm. And so that's what porn is. Porn is a corruption of what God created as good. Right. And don't right. put what God is good into an evil category. Mm-hmm. Porn is not too sexual. It's anti-sexual. Ooh, yeah. Sensei focus is sexual. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Amen. It's, it's a corruption. It's a perversion of, of, of mm-hmm. the good. Yeah. And so if we could get back to like clean off that rust, get rid of that, rebuild and see sex with your wife as what God has intended mm-hmm. and how he's built your body to function mm-hmm. and, yeah. to, and to connect right. with all the hormones. And mm-hmm. that is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to encourage couples to be very intentional about doing. And even if intercourse is not possible mm-hmm. for right. a season or in a situation that's more permanent, sure, mm-hmm. we can still be sexual together. That's right. Yes. Yes. I am just over the moon about getting into uh the the wonderland the the <laughs> massive space that there is for sexual intimacy yes outside of orgasm even though most of our imagination is fixed on that one <laughs> that one yeah. little spot that yeah. one little moment guys thank you so much for oh. sharing from your expertise from your experience our pleasure thank you yeah this is this is good we we enjoy it we love i feel like we're just like in this session of like you preaching and us preaching and we're just like <laughs> sharing god you know the gospel of of yeah. sex and sexuality <laughs> yeah so at the end of this episode i want to ask you what is your favorite thing about good sex oh <laughs> favorite thing <laughs> Do we have another hour? (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully sometime in the future. (laughs) Oh man. Favorite thing about good sex. Oh, that's a hard one. I think my favorite thing about good sex is how fulfilled I feel Mm -hmm. with my wife, how close and intimate I feel with my wife when we have good sex. There's nothing that, that besides maybe that feeling at the altar when Jesus really touches you, but Um, there's nothing more fulfilling and beautiful than feeling known and loved at the same time. Yes. Yes. So what I'm going to say will kind of echo that, but I think my favorite thing about good sex is that is acknowledging that it is a spiritual experience and God said it is good. 
And so being able to engage freely, to be fully known and fully loved, to have that safety and that eroticism all at once, um, that is good sex. That's the definition of good sex. When you you feel safe and secure, but you also feel erotic and adventurous all at once. Yes, that's love and desire. And um, to know that like God called that good, like that is a form of worship. That is a... A, a model of our relationship with him. And we're taking, we're taking part in that fellowship and it's just incredible. That's my favorite thing about good sex. I can't stop smiling. Um, <laughs> we are celebrating it. Yes. God made it. He called it good. And, and it's such a gift. So Amen. we are giving that gift and receiving that gift and learning mm-hmm. how to receive, give and give, receive and all those different nuances. And before we go, I wanted to let you all know about some really fun resources that Adam and Carissa have put together. They are card decks. They have these card decks with a bunch of cards that ask you questions that allow you to go deeper in your marriage. One of them is called Foundations. And this is the basic one that I actually keep in the car so that my wife and I read these questions and talk about them. And they are really, really helpful. Some of them are more practical. Some of them are more deep. There's the realizations card deck, which is a little bit deeper. And then the last one, which is most relevant to our conversation about sex today, is called sexpectations. What are your sexpectations? So let me read a couple of these cards so you can get an idea of what the questions are. They're saying, how can I get better at reading your hints that you're in the mood? Describe the difference in your mind between making love and having sex. How often would you like to take showers together? Is there anything that holds you back from wanting to shower with me? So these are the conversations we need to have. This is how we can talk about sex without having it. I love these card decks, so I'm putting links to them in the show notes, and you can get them all at the Dear Young Married Couple website as well. Adam and Carissa, thank you so much. And my pleasure. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And for everyone else out there, always remember you are God's beloved son. In you, he's well pleased.